produced by Podcast Architects. All right, welcome. Ladies. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, any pets that may be listening, this is Get Better at Business. I am Travis Richards. This is Chris Buckner. What's going on, my man? Oh, you know, it's just another lovely Friday. Uh, it's You know you're getting old when you are welcoming the rain in such in, uh, you know emphatic enthusiasm. So uh, been has been a good day. You know, that's been one of the most surprising things about getting older for me is that, you know, you always heard these cliches whenever you're growing up about people talking about the weather. And you're mm-hmm. just like, why on earth would we ever discuss that? Now I find that I talk about it like literally all the time. And... All, my, all of my friends got rain gauges, all of them. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, gosh, we are getting old. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, um, you, know, you know, what do you do with the water that's in the rain gauge? Like, I mean, do you, is, is it like, you know, you drinking it as part of some kind of spiritual yeah. experience to, you know, be you in take touch a shot. with the, yeah, yeah. You take a shot, yeah, a shot for the gods, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I, I appreciate you coming on, excited to learn a little bit from you, hopefully learn a lot from you, but just give us a, give me a little background, like, you know, how did you, what, what has brought you on this long and winding road to uh, appearing on the podcast today? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, this is a four hour episode, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. This is, this is part one of seven. And so yeah, okay, take good, your good. time. Yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, you know, I graduated from, uh, A&M business degree back in uh, 2007 and, uh, I, I, I wanted to work in advertising. And when I say work in advertising, I wanted to be Matthew McConaughey in the movie, how to lose a guy in 10 days. That's, that's all the way down to marrying Kate Hudson. And uh, it just wasn't happening. Uh, I couldn't get a, a foot in the door, and I was being so naive and, um, uh, I mean, blatantly, I was pretty dumb. I, I didn't really have any experience that would warrant me having the capability of getting into one of the biggest ad agencies in the world, but I kept shooting for the biggest. So I was doing the, you know, McGarrett, Jesse's, GSDNMs here in Texas, and I was doing the BBDO and uh, uh, Wyden Kennedy's, um, and I just, I, I was making no progress whatsoever. And then, um, what really kind of started my entrepreneurial side of my life was I kept getting rejected by not just these ad agencies, but I made it real far in this deal with um, uh, Facebook. Uh, I I think I did some like seven or eight interviews and it was going to be a really cool job in the advertising space. And uh, I ended up losing it in the last round to somebody else. And I just said, you know what, I'm just going to kind of make my own path. This is getting really, really frustrating to me. And uh, what a, what a goofy thing to say, but uh, I, I decided to start my own company, uh, first company in 2014, and um, which was a, a sports social media application. And uh, really funny, I, I, people always tell me like, tell me about the beginning, and I, I actually say I, I don't like talking about it because it was a little bit lucky. And uh, the the truth is, is um, I had this idea. And then uh, one of my mentors just happened to own Yahoo Sports Radio at the time. So when I brought him just the idea, 10-page PowerPoint, it had like clip art in it. It was that bad. And he, he said, uh, I went in on this, and we're going to put the Yahoo Sports Radio name behind it. Uh, I was able to go raise uh, fairly quickly my seed round uh, to go actually create the idea. And then um, so it did that, and we were acquired essentially in 2017, well, 2016. And then uh, started my second company as a subsidiary of my first company in the esports space. And uh, again, through networking, somewhat luck, whatever opportunity I know, uh, we, we 
we actually did really, really well in my second company by uh, very early on partnering with ESPN uh, to do a TV show for them. And um, and then from there, we created a software company that was used by almost 100% of the uh, Division I uh, colleges for their esports program. So um, now I'm on to my next uh, venture, and uh, we just started, but uh, I was contacted by y'all. I'm obviously an Aggie, and uh, we're happy to share the story. And I'll say this, I'll, I'll end it with... Um, I tell everybody this. I am not great at telling people what to do at all, and when it comes mm-hmm. to their businesses and stuff. But I am I am uh, unbelievable at telling people what not to do because oh. boy did I make some mistakes. So Dude, it, uh, I'm happy to chat about it. You know, I've heard that from a lot of people, and I think that that uh, I don't remember where I heard this, but it's like if you talk if you talk to somebody that only wants to talk about the great stuff that they've done, yeah, they're probably a loser full of crap. But you, yeah. But if, if you talk to somebody that the only, every single successful person that I've talked to, it's like, they, they, they all, they only want to talk about their mistakes. They want to talk about, Hey, this is where I, and it's because that's where you learn, right? Is that you don't, you know, you, you know, success is not the best teacher. It's, you know, all of the screw ups. So, you know, I'm, so I'm kind of interested that you're, a lot of people have the perspective that, you know, entrepreneurs are just kind of born and it's like you hear all these stories about people's like, oh, I started my first business whenever I was three years old and I had a lemonade stand and all that. Is that the case for you? I mean, you know, you, you got out of school and you wanted to go work for a you know big giant company. And, you know, so looking back, do you feel like, oh, man, I was always an entrepreneur and I just didn't know it? Or what were you uh, like I mean, as a kid from an entrepreneurial perspective? I... Well, so, I mean, that is so funny that you meant, you brought that up because I always say, like, I was never the kid that had a lemonade stand. I was never the kid that was uh, – I did mow yards and I did that kind of stuff, you know, when, when I was a kid. And I got in trouble one time because I was trying to sell my brand-new baseball – or my uh, brand-new basketball cards that my dad had just bought me. I went out to my curb and was, like, trying to sell these cards. And he was like, what are you doing? I just bought those for you today. Um, so if I was an entrepreneur, I was a terrible one. Um, but uh, I – I don't know. I, I didn't really have an entrepreneurial spirit of in the sense of like going out and starting my own thing. I think what I had was I liked being um, a leader. Um, so when I was, uh, you know, I, I was a yell leader at A&M and I, I know pun intended almost. But uh, what's really what's funny about that is, is um, I thought that you had to be in the core to be uh, a yell leader at A&M. So I knew I wanted to be a yell leader when I was like four or five or fourth grade, fifth grade. I can't remember when it was. And um so I did like all these things, get, getting ready to come up to A&M, including doing JROTC in high school, uh, because I thought, well, I have to be in the course, so I'll do JROTC, that way I'll be extra prepared, and then I'll go into ROTC for, um, uh, at, there at A&M. Long story short, Dad tells me, well, you don't have to be, after I'd already gone through three years of being in the uh, JROTC, which uh, I loved. But um, I, I liked leading a lot. Um, I wouldn't even say I'm uh, uh, the best leader when it comes to business, but I, I definitely had a passion for leading. And so uh, I didn't have I didn't have uh, uh, that entrepreneur uh, sphere. I was entrepreneurial is what I tell people. I'm not like an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm entrepreneurial, meaning I just want to keep doing new things and like trying new things and, and whatever that might be. And um, so it really wasn't, I mean, to be honest with you, it really wasn't until 2013, 2014 that I, I said, you know what, I'm going to just do this on my own. I'm gonna, I'll figure it out. Uh, and, and then I guess the rest is history as they say. So yeah, I didn't have it. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't hawking, you know, uh, lemonade when I was a little kid. 
Well, you know, do you look back though, like now that you're, you know, that you're kind of in it, do you look back at your, you know, other chapters of your life and kind of have anything that you're sort of like, now that I'm looking at this through the lens of like being an entrepreneur, like I kind of understand this aspect of my past a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, that's a very deep question. Um, I, I think so. Um, I, I, I look back on some of the things that I did. You know, I, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm almost going to make you uh, be like a, a mini therapist to me here because I don't know the answer. But um, I, I remember growing up when I did things that, um, you know, w- whether it was all the way back in elementary school, whatever, student council, right? You did student council uh, in even in elementary school, middle school, all that stuff. And being involved with different organizations. I don't know what it says about me back then, but I always wanted to be in a leadership role, but I never wanted to be the, you know, uh, president of uh, NHS, the president of student council, the president, which, but then as I started getting older, I did. I I found myself in JRTC, for instance, I was the battalion commander for the state of Texas at one point. And I think as time went on, and then I moved into the, the work realm, I got extremely fortunate and I worked for Vaughn Construction kind of right out of school. Uh, Vaughn Construction is a group that did Kyle Field and um, MD Anderson and all this stuff and uh, best people I could have ever worked with in my life. And I didn't do anything construction related, but they gave me this opportunity to run a, this thing called their Profit Center there at Vaughn Construction. And so I got to run my own business at 22 years old. And I didn't really know that going in that it was going to be all on me. So I, I got to learn almost on accident pretty quickly what running your own business did look like. And then it also gave me that like thirst of like, well, I want to keep I want to keep growing that I want to keep um, growing myself. And, and so looking back at that, it's I have never once thought about it this way. So you nailed it. I think I started in this thing where I wanted leadership, but I didn't know if I wanted it. And then I knew I wanted it. And then it became I can do this on my own type of thing. So uh, I guess it was a little bit of growth. Very interesting. Very interesting. <clears throat> And so as you look back at your kind of earlier years in, you know, entrepreneurs, like what was it like, you know, like you said, you kind of got, well, I guess I want to know what were your expectations whenever you went with the, to the Yahoo Sports Radio folks and you were first pitching? Like, did you think that it was going to end up in like, all right, dude, let's make this a real thing. Let's go raise some money. Yeah. Or like, what were your expectations going into that meeting? Well, so, okay. So I, I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I, I certainly knew nothing about fundraising, venture capital, seed, uh, family office, high net worth individuals. I, I did, I knew nothing. Right. And I had this deck. I knew, I knew for a fact that I wanted to, um, uh, do something on my own, but I also knew, Oh, this is going to be a slug. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I need to jump all the way in. And, um, it just moved a little bit quicker because when I, when I wanted that meeting, that meeting was not meant to be an investor meeting. It was not meant to even be any type of pitch whatsoever. It was legitimately, hey, guy's name is David Gao, and I'm giving him a shout out because he's one of the best human beings uh, on the planet. I went to him because uh, he owns Gao Media here in Houston, which is the sports, uh, uh, they own the ESPN affiliate here in Houston, all that stuff. So I went to him and I was like, is this a viable idea? Like, is this a viable, um, uh, I would say product, but we didn't have a product. And, uh, that's all I wanted. I wanted him to just kind of say yes or no. And instead of saying yes, he like kicks the guy out of the room that was in there with us. And he says, I want in and I'm going, I don't even know what that means. And I had, I had one friend, uh, some of the people that were kind of helping me start all this that said, uh, well, I have some connections to some investors out of Austin. So I, I drove down that same week to Austin and I said, look, here's this idea. Here's Yahoo sports radio. Here's a, essentially a contract, a term sheet 
for them to be a partner. And they're going to push this out over all 250 of their syndicated networks as, as part of Yahoo Sports Radio. So we got that deal done. I raised off of with you know no expectation, no really no real idea what I was doing. But the people I raised from were really really amazing people. Well, I remember the very first day. So we raised this money, and I sit down to start this whole thing, and I open up my brand new computer, which is this. Uh, it was like a MacBook Air, uh, which I just thought was the coolest thing in the world. You know, uh, back in the day, and I opened it up and I went like. Well, now what do I do? Because I was really just doing it all by myself. So I, I had no expectations, no experience, no um, I, nothing. It just kind of like, and this is why it's not a very inspirational story. I don't have this like, yeah, I put, I maxed out 24 credit cards and anything like that. But it, it was, I, I will say that it lends itself a little bit to the Aggie Network. A lot of the stuff that had happened previous, like leading up to that was because of the Aggie Network. So now I just tell people it's all like network, 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 um, and make sure you're talking to anybody and everybody all of the time. And that has certainly been uh, what's kind of gotten me to this point in terms of uh, having somewhat successful companies. So the I got two questions for you. First one is that if you could go back and talk to yourself before you went into that meeting, would you give yourself any advice or do you think that going in kind of ignorant and stupid was like made it work better for you? Again, great question. Um, I, I would say a little bit of both. So I always tell people, first of all, know who you're going into business with. Make sure that you're um, uh, not only managing expectations, but that you're defining roles. Because a lot of times, it, not even in a nefarious way, you might think your co-founder is working on something, but they're not. And, and not because they aren't. They just didn't know that they were. Or you're both working on the same thing and you're wasting time together. So I like uh, telling people to define those roles, manage the expectations, uh, you, you know, all that. But um, uh, I, 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 it was definitely great to go in without knowing much because I had to get gritty. But the, the where I messed up and it carried all the way over into my second company, because remember, I started my second company as a subsidiary, was I didn't know what I was doing from a valuation standpoint when it came to like the fundraising and that. And boy, uh, I mean, I'll tell everybody, I don't care that one of the reasons that my this last company I'm moving on to the new thing is uh, after eight years of those two companies, I essentially had no real equity at all in my own company because of uh, that very, 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 very first 300K I raised. It wasn't at great terms. And then, you know, fast forward to 2017, 2018, we raised our Series A, a $6.6 million Series A for Mainline, my second company. Well, guess what? That had to adhere to the original structure, so I got diluted there. And then when we did a bridge round, they slapped some preferences on it because my investors are all private equity guys at the time. And the preferences um, messed up the waterfall. And again, none of this was done in a nefarious way whatsoever. It was lack of knowledge on my part. So while I would say I loved, I wouldn't really change much in terms of like I liked getting gritty and learning and, and having to find a way to figure it out. That one area is when I don't have regrets, but if if. I did that differently. I things would be different right now, but that's okay. I'm I'm I, I'm very much okay with it. I just oh, yeah. learned the I mean, hard way there. Well, you know, one of my little like things I've found true is that if you talk to somebody and you're like, hey, if you would, you know, there's there's really it's a good thing to always be happy with where you are. You know, where you're just like, hey, it's like I like I'm I'm very happy with where I am. I wouldn't necessarily like like I don't wish that things were different, but it's like if you could go back and do things differently, what would you change? It's like. Hopefully the answer is everything because I'm smarter now than I was. It's like, dude, the good stuff would have been better. The bad stuff I could have hedged or or avoided, but it's like, 
somebody that's like, oh, I wouldn't change a thing. It's like, man, I just like, have you been paying attention? Are you well, wiser I, now than you used to be? You know, I, I'm definitely wiser. In fact, I, I've been pulled into not only advisor roles, but I've been pulled into like what, what's called um, venture partner roles. I've been pulled into all this stuff as the guy, like the resident. Um, hey, he's going to go through. Let's just say it's your enterprise SaaS agreements that you're going to be putting out to these people. He's going to go through and tell you. Uh, what you're missing in this thing based off of his, his experiences, because I can tell you at mainline alone, just over the last year and a half, there were three times that we were, uh, I don't even think I'm exaggerating. We were a day or two away from being a hundred million dollar company in terms of valuation. We, we really did get that close three times. And then all three times they were uh, because of situations, most of them were, are out of your control, but had had I done things a little bit differently, I could have probably finagled it. Um, um, in hindsight, it's twenty twenty. But uh, yeah, it was. There were there were really truly three times where I, I sat down and I went, "Oh my gosh, th- this one deal alone is going to blow this company up in the best way possible." And then uh, you know, just like an entrepreneurial spirit, you'll have the highest of high, and then you'll have the absolute lowest of low, all within like a forty second. <laughs> Uh, tonight's fan. So, um, I hope that answered your question. I kind of got off there a little bit. No, no, no. And it, but it does kind of open up, uh, the other question I was going to ask, which you need talking about networking and, you know, it's, it seems kind of silly to say this, but it's like, you know, for the, you know, I'd heard people talk about this, you know, for forever, but I didn't really understand what it meant and the value that it brings until actually pretty recently. And so I'm just curious of your perspective on networking and like, dude, what exactly does that mean to you? What do you look at in terms of like, you know, whenever you're like, Chris is going to go out and he's going to do some networking. Like, well, what does that mean? What are your objectives? I'm just curious of your take on, you know, what does that even mean to you? Yeah. So I have, I have so much passion about this topic. So a guy named Paul Posky, um, I'm, I'm not even sure if he's still working. He's probably retired now, but uh, Paul Posky there at A&M, uh, he helped with the career center. Then I think he moved over to the uh, the association, maybe the foundation or maybe a vice versa. Um, he was like my first introduction. He, he's the ultimate networker. His role at A&M was to help people that were in the business world that were wanting to change industries, right? So what he would do is use his network to help somebody that maybe worked in accounting, find a new job in marketing, or somebody that worked in uh, engineering, find a new job in, uh, well, let's just say like starting a new business. Uh, it, like he, he did that. And uh, he, he's the guy that actually, so GSD&M was my, my dream company that I wanted to work for, um, uh, probably, probably the largest ad agency in, in Texas. <clears throat> and they had a big Aggie in charge there. <clears throat> I think he was like third from the highest. And he connected me to him immediately like it was nothing. And I remember thinking like, wow, that guy just connected me to pretty much almost the highest person that I could have ever dreamed being connected to. So over time, I was like, Networking is going to be in front and really, really important, but it wasn't um, so funny. You bring all this stuff up. I mean, you're killing it on these questions because I don't particularly like the networking that people probably think of, which is like, I guess I'm just going to go to this event and event, shake hands with these people and see if it, it, don't get me wrong. That's effective. It's incredibly effective, but instead it was more like I, I was very fortunate that I had a network in, in, uh, that started in college because of the, because of the L leader stuff where it just always became something like I would reach out to somebody and be like, do you happen to know anybody that does this over here? And it was always like that kind of thing. The networking was always uh, kind of around rather than just like walking up to somebody and saying like, hi. And, uh, I, I didn't tell you this. My first job out of college was, um, I worked for a radio station here in uh, Houston called the buzz. 
And it was cold calling. He was picking up the phone. And, and let me tell you, I mean, not only was I horrible at it, I, <laughs> I, I, I hated everything, but I just had a conversation not two hours ago with this guy. Like, I kind of love that I did it because that's the hardest form of networking or sales that you can do is that kind of cold call outreach, especially in radio. It's a, it's a, you're selling air. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was kind of difficult. So I, I, I love the discussion of networking because the other piece of it is like never burn a bridge, like ever, ever, ever. And that job that I just told you about the buzz, <clears throat> when I left, I went to my bosses and I was like, guys, I'm really, really bad at this job. Here's my two weeks. And they were so awesome. And they were like, no, 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 no. It's just because you're trying to uh, sell direct. We're going to give you agency business. And I was going, no, guys, look, th this square peg round hole thing just isn't going to work. And I stayed really, really close with them. And then they moved up when iHeart um, uh, Media took them over, Clear Channel. They moved up to the highest people in the whole freaking company. And sure enough, just like two years ago in Mainline, my, my esports business, we partnered with iHeartMedia uh, because of them. So like that networking of like never burn a bridge, ought, like be just as truthful and honest with people. And they're going to open the doors for you. And uh, the last thing I'll say there, because I'm, I'm getting off on a tangent, is um, I struggle with in, in business. Uh, it's why one of the reasons why I'm doing this new company is I get to work with everybody. I don't have a cutthroat like mentality whatsoever. And I always overshare, like always. And while it probably 51% of the time it's helped me significantly, 49% of the time it has really hurt me where I've told somebody something and then they went and stole business, for instance. Like that's happened a lot. Uh, and, and it happens in the space that I was in, the e collegiate esports space the most. But um, I don't want to ever give that up. I want to be able to, uh, to overshare. I want to be able to work with everybody. I don't ever want to have to think about like, all right, how do I how do I ruin this company? Like, ugh, what a gross way to live. So, and and I remember telling my board and my investors, hey, maybe I'm not the right guy because I don't have that. Like, I don't have that killer, uh, you know, uh, kill my uh, partners and and uh, competitors and and wipe the floor. I kept trying to find ways to work with them, and I'd be like, hey, look, you've got that market, I've got this market. What if we work together? And it worked twice, and it really didn't twice. So. I don't know. The networking side of things is really important to me and I don't ever want to uh, change that. Well, you know, I think that a lot of it, though, is that, you know, you're kind of that spirit that you're taking into it is the right one where it's like I think that the, the, the first kind of networker that you're talking about where you're saying like, yeah, you just walk the room and let me just talk to these people and find out what they do. It, like it's almost like, you know, bad networking is when it's all about you. And good networking is when it's all about the other people. Like if you walk into a room and you just start thinking about like, dude, how can I help this person? How can we work together? How can we collaborate? What are they good at? How can I appreciate what they're uh, bringing to the table so that I could potentially find some creative ways that we could work together? It's like, dude, if you go into it with that mind, then it's just like that's what actually builds a really powerful network because it's like even if you're not – if it's all about you – if that person can't do something for you, then it's like the relationship is sort of over. Whereas if you walk into it and it's just like, hey, what could I potentially do for this person? How could I help them? Maybe it means that I connect them with somebody else that I know. Maybe it means that I just understand what they do so that I can be on the lookout for other opportunities. It's like, well, now that relationship, like you said, just kind of continues on forever. It's not It's not like, hey, what can you do for me? It's more like, what can I do? What could I do for you? And well, so it, that's great. I mean, so let's talk about that for a second, because when I made this transition out of my previous company, my biggest competitor, um, direct competitor in the space and our biggest client both came to me saying, 
come here, come, come help us do what we're doing over here, like, or whatever. And I think that was because when, when I always talked to them, it was like, how can we work together? What can we do together? What, how can I help you? Uh, rather than it was just like, Hey, pay me <laughs> or, you know, use my services. And so when they found out that I was uh, essentially moving on, they, they came both of them in the same week and, and said, Hey, we'll, we'll bring you on as a equity partner in this deal. So that was pretty flattering, but um, uh, I think it had everything to do with what you just said, which is like, don't go in thinking all about like, what's this going to do for me? Think about like, how can I help them? And then, We'll see what happens later down the road. Yeah, you know, you just show up and help people, and then the rest of it yep. usually will, will take care of itself. So anyway, so that I mean, like, great, great segue though. It's like you didn't take those opportunities to, you know, go with your with your client or your competitor. You know, sounds like you had something that you really wanted to do, and so just tell, I, I'm, you know, tell, tell us a little about about the business that you're in now and what that looks like. Yeah. So, um, well, you know, I. I I did make a promise to myself years and years ago, like, I, I don't want to be a part of a business that I don't have equity in. And it's not um, so much the equity of, uh, I'm not driven by money. Um, I want to make sure that if I'm going to put my whole heart, spirit, life into a business, that the decisions I make matter um, and that uh, I get to make an impact uh, within the company. And a lot of times, um, uh, the best way to do that is to put some skin into the game um, and, and have ownership of the company. So the company that we started, um, it's a company called Pocket Talk, uh, which is um, it's very grand in its, uh, um, uh, you know, its quest of bringing the largest sports festival in the world uh, to Houston in uh, Q3 of 2023. So think of like a South by Southwest, but just for sports, sports tech, uh, esports, uh, health and wellness, the media side of sports and then culture and sports and uh, kind of like a world's fair where um, it's called Pocket Talk because that was the first ever team ball sport in the world. And so we, we want it to feel like a festival. We don't want it to be like a, the Houston Sports Tech Expo. That's not what we want, want it to feel like, right? We want it to feel like a Coachella, a, a Lollapalooza, uh, have that festival feel. And so we, um, we, we only really just started midway through February. Um, and, you know, the city's already behind it. We, we, we've already raised uh, capital. We're, we're starting to already bring on uh, interested parties from a sponsorship perspective. But... The really cool thing about all this, talking about networking, is the, the guys over at South by Southwest who started it, when we met with them, they they were just amazing to us. And they said, uh, like, they, they actually went through our pro forma to say, like, well, this is too low, too high, too low, not enough security, uh, not enough people, you're, you're under shooting yourself. And um, so that was phenomenal to have that kind of help from people that know it best. But the biggest thing they said was, do not make this a once a year event, meaning don't, don't do something for one week and then you're done. They, they said, we get away with it now because it makes so much money. It's fine. But um, they said that one of their biggest regrets was that they didn't have kind of that media community and content year round. Right. So we started a, what we call a scale up program. A lot of people would call an accelerator program. We actually just finished our first cohort with five companies where all we do, we don't take ownership of those companies and they don't pay us. We instead connect them to our network of, um, you know, I was very fortunate. I worked with every single college in the country. I worked with a lot of pro sports teams in my previous job. Uh, so we connect them to pro and college teams. We connect them to family offices, high net worth individuals, venture capital and private equity groups. We connect them to advisors. We connect them to uh, new revenue opportunities, so potential partnerships. That's all we do. We don't go through their 
financials and, and tell them where they're off. We don't go through their deck and tell them this is how you, exactly you need to pitch, even though we, we certainly help on that front. And it was a it was a wild success. It was awesome. Opened a lot of eyes to the opportunity that we could have in Houston. Now, a lot of this was because not only the managing director of that program is amazing, the five companies we had were all rock stars. So we got really, really lucky. But um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we have about a year and a half, a uh, little bit under now, a year and a half before the festival. But we're going to bring in every sport around the world that we possibly can to let families and, and people come together almost like a the you know the Super Bowl parties that happen before the Super Bowl where you can like go and experience with your kids all that we want that for like every sport um, taking over downtown Houston um, so again huge ambitions but the joke we always make is I'll tell you what either we're gonna change the Houston like it's gonna be the sports capital of the world or we're gonna have to move away because uh, uh, it will be a fail you know what I mean like hey, we're gonna move to another state and, and I'm gonna become a lumberjack um, yeah but. It is. This is the kind of stuff I like. I like the ups and downs, turbulence, and uh, you know what it takes to get to those points. Yeah. Well, dude, you know the the, the joys and the journey, as they say, right? It's like yeah. if you don't. You don't know that though until it's. Yeah. You don't know that. Uh, uh, like meaning, uh, people don't recognize when they're in that moment, and it's always like you get a little bit past a certain moment, and you're like, oh man, I remember when we worked out of that closet. That was so cool. Well, when I was working out of that closet, I was in hell. You know. Um, I, yeah, so I always never recognize. I always I need to do a better job of living in the moment. Well, you know, it's the uh, something I think that's always challenging for entrepreneurs is that you all are, you know, like just the nature of you know, a big part of your job is to be, you know, looking out towards the future, you know, and so it's you know, kind of your responsibility to not live in the moment to a certain degree, but at the same time, you know, it's you, you gotta, you know, you, you do have to appreciate where you are. You know? Yep, I agree. Yeah. Well, man, the, uh, so Q3 of 2023 taking over downtown Houston, what, uh, what, like what, what were there opportunities for people to get involved and, you know, where can yeah. they find out more info and all that? So right now, so it's funny cause this will, this is one of the very, very, very first public kind of, an, uh, opportunities to share what we're doing. We really haven't shared besides with investors in the city, nobody really knows about this pocket talk festival. They know about what's called pocket talk labs, which is the scale of program. But this, the festival has certainly been a little bit under the um, radar on purpose because uh, really starting in the next probably two weeks, we are in full all-out all like blitz mode because we just wrapped up the first uh, cohort for the Pocket Talk Labs. And uh, we are going to be looking for you know volunteers uh, out the wazoo. Uh, we're going to start obviously looking for our partnerships, our sponsorships, our uh, strategic partnerships when it comes to uh, the leagues and, you know, my background, both in traditional sports, but more specifically in esports, we're going to be bringing a huge, hopefully, some sort of, of national championship in esports to the event. Um, and uh, uh, so we, we are always looking for not just talent. We're going to be looking for volunteers. We're going to be looking for uh, you know people that can help from a strategic par uh, partnership standpoint. And you can go to pocketalk.com, which is P-O-K-A-T-O-K. -O -O uh, it, it's phonetic, pretty much. So uh, go to pockettalk.com. You can look at all of our media that we're doing. You can look at all of our uh, and media and content. You can look at what the festival, we have some mock-ups in there. We have the Pocket Talk Labs program in there. Um, so yeah, that, that's where you can go. And you know, it's funny when, when right before we went live on the show, I do a show uh, called um, Under the Influencer. And uh, it's uh, all about like sharing a couple drinks with uh, influential people in any line of work. It doesn't matter. Uh, like 
we have famous people that have their own brand of liquor, so we bring them on, or we have um, uh, you know actual social influencers. But you made a comment like, oh yeah, at any time you can just start over, and that's what we tell our guests all the time is, is like, hey, if you say something that you're like, oh wait 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 wait, I don't want that public. We always tell them the same thing. You can, it's fine. We can just tell us. So, uh, but yeah, pocketalk.com. You can see everything that we're working on right now. Very cool, man. We'll close it out with this. So it's like, you know, the, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of whenever you, you know, right before you like almost unwittingly took the entrepreneurial leap. You know, if, if you were talking to somebody that is kind of on the fence and considering, you know, making some kind of big move or, you know, taking that big meeting, like what advice do you have about how somebody could make the decision as to whether or not that's right for them? Yeah. Um, well, I, I have a, a couple things and I'll try to keep it as short as I can. Um, first of all, uh, I, I always tell people like, it's not my place to say, don't go get an MBA. Don't go get a college education. Don't do whatever. Like that's not, that's not never going to be my place. What I do like about entrepreneurship is like, even in failure, you learn so much that you become, I, I don't know how else to say this, a, a very valuable asset to a lot of people. So even in your failure of uh, entrepreneurship, you you become so educated on every part of the business that like it's extremely attractive to me when I see people that are like, yeah, I started a business back then because I know what they had to go through. And, and uh, uh, the other thing I always say is like if you don't have uh, the capacity for a little bit of like that roller coaster, being able to accept that roller coaster, I would say like uh, – Maybe just think about it a little bit more because I, I don't think there's anybody that I know that did, that has not had some sort of pretty wild, wild ride, right? And then um, the the last thing I'll say, which is almost uh, contradictory with to everything that I just said, <clears throat> I've got friends that you know graduated A and M in Texas, went into very successful jobs, whether it was in consulting, oil and gas, whatever it might be, and I, I have one friend in particular that. Um, he always has like whenever we have a beer together, two beers, right? Uh, he'll say, "Ah," and he's killing it. He's killing it, and he'll always say, "Ah, I wish that I would have done what you did. I wish I would have pursued, you know, my own thing because I, I'm capped out. Like uh, this is really as high as I'll go." Um, and I, I always have to tell him, "Hang on, you've got a beautiful family, beautiful job, security." Uh, you know, 401k, like it's not always greener, but if you are, um, I, I, I mean, I would tell everybody to take the leap, but that's only because I'm super biased and I did it. And I'm like, Hey, you want to go through hell with me? Great. Come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So misery loves company, of, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my piece of advice is like, take the shot, uh, but just really have a propensity for, um, a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And you know, the, the there's a, a, you know, <laughs> There's any, any time that I come across somebody that's struggling with, you know, what should I do and, you know, what, you know, where is my passion and this and that. There's a great, uh, a great article that was written, this has been years ago, by this guy, Mark Manson, who wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, but dude, like one of the bits of advice that he gives, and this relates to the roller coaster, is he's like, dude, ask yourself what you're willing to tolerate. You know, what is your favorite flavor of turd sandwich? Because everything everything sucks a little, you know, and it's like in, you know, the, a great example of that is like, if you cannot stomach the idea of working 80 hours, a, 80 hours a week, like dude, don't be a lawyer because it's like part of the deal when you're starting out, like you, that's part of the dues you got. That's part of the toll you got to pay. And in terms of being an entrepreneur, it's like, if you cannot handle the idea of 
waking up in the middle of the night wondering whether or not you're going to make it. It's like, dude, then this might not be for you. And it's like, well, and by the way, I didn't know any better at the beginning. So, uh, I, I just was like, I'll figure it out. And looking back, I mean, I'm glad I didn't know, like you said, because I don't know if I would have done it at the time. Now I'm super glad, but you just mentioned the, the turd sandwich, the, uh, Andreessen horror, which can't, I can't remember which one's book it is, but one of the chapters is, and I do say this to everybody. only, I actually use the bad word, but I won't do it here. One of the chapters is, is if you're going to eat s poop, uh, don't nibble. And meaning, if you're going to do it, if you're going to do this, go all the way in. Don't half-ass it, essentially. So that was perfect. Uh, that's one of my favorite quotes in entrepreneurship. So that you nailed that. Yeah. Well, you know, the uh, I think the sign that you were willing to go after it, even though you didn't know in the first place, that's probably a pretty good indicator that you know entrepreneurship is a good you know good fit on you. So yeah, not too, yeah. I guess so. That's a good point. Well, man, I, I really appreciate the the wisdom that you shared, and you know, I, it's uh, always great to hear, uh, you know, how people got where they got. And so, very cool background story. Really appreciate it. And so, uh, you know, I, we, we talked about where people can find information about what you're doing. What about you personally? Uh, social media. Where do you hang out so people can follow if they want? Yeah, um, actually, so if you need, if you, if anybody wants to email me, the easiest one is just buck, B-U-C-K, at pocketalk.com. Um, that's the one I check the most. Um, and then uh, on social media, I, what's funny is I'm not a big social media guy, except for now with the show, uh, Under the Influencer, you can find that on all of the um, uh, platforms, under the influencerstudio.com. Um, I've kind of turned my own social media into kind of the show's social media, so uh, if you get bored and uh, want to reach out to us that way, um, it's under the influencer studio on Instagram and then under the influencer on uh, YouTube and stuff like that. Very cool, man. Well, dude, really appreciate the time. Uh, those of you who are listening, we appreciate that as well. Uh, I found this very, very valuable. And so great to, great to chat with you and, uh, those listening, hope you found it helpful too. And we'll hope you join us next time. Yeah. Thanks Rich. so much for having me. Thanks dude.